Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. I want to uh, spend some time looking at um, something that might or might not get you to understand. Uh, it says this in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, one of the things that's important is in Matthew's Gospel, uh, Jesus made it plain that if you don't understand the word, it never bears fruit in your life. And lack of understanding means that a thing doesn't bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold when he was talking of the sower going out to sow and very important that I understand and you understand that it was by the word of God that the worlds were framed wasn't framed by anything else it was the word of God and I'm a believer in creation uh, as I said, you know, God did it in six days. If he'd done it in six seconds, I wouldn't have a problem. I believe God. Uh, Christians understand. I understand how it was. And it was through faith we understand that. And you can't be a Christian if you haven't got that type of faith. That you understand those things. One of the marks of someone who's truly born of the Spirit is he comes to a real understanding of how everything operates and everything works. That's what makes you a Christian. If you don't know that, then you're just not a Christian. You might say, well, I believe Jesus came. Well, that doesn't make you a Christian. A Christian's a person who's born and comes to a true understanding, born again and comes to a true understanding of the things of God and of salvation and redemption and when you do that you automatically begin to believe the word of God and everything operates by the word of God now it says in verse 1 and it's explained here now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen hope isn't faith Faith is a now thing. It's the substance of it. I find a lot of people hope. But hoping for something isn't faith. You're just hoping it'll happen. You hope it comes about. And I find a lot of people live in hope. But hope is not faith. Just hope. When I know the word of God, I don't just hope for it. I believe for it and it becomes a substance in my life. And that is what faith is. Faith has to be birthed out of believing. When I believe and act upon God's word, faith is born. It's born out of the action. When the reality happens and the substance is there, then I'm walking by faith. But actually hoping for something or believing isn't faith at all. Faith has to have action accompanying it. And a lot of people, they live with believing, but they don't live in faith. 
A lot of people believe that one day they'll be holy. A lot of people believe one day, well that is believing but it's not faith. That's not living in faith. Faith is believing that you have the substance of what God promised. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have been. Now faith is living in it, not hoping for it. If you're one of these people that believes we have it, but not yet, you're not a believer in the sense of faith, you're a believer in the sense of hoping. And hope is not faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Faith has substance, reality. Hope just hopes it'll happen one day. And that's why we have to come, when we are believers in Christ, we've got to come to the reality of faith. A lot of people have faith in a lot of things and um, I suppose you can say that doubt is the enemy of success. You'll always fail when you're a doubter. In life there's a lot of people that doubt and they live by doubt and you'll see in life there's people that live by success and um, they get to success by faith. There was a man once who believed in electricity, Edison. Now I tell you what, he had faith in something no one else had faith in. Uh, there's a creative being inside a person, God put it there because when we were made in the image of God, he gave within us a creative ability. Not that we can create out of ourselves, but we get faith to believe. You'll find there was a man called Ford. He believed in the motor car. He set up factories. Um, people laughed. But look who had faith. There was a man who sat in a garage once with a computer. And you know, you've, today you've got millions of Apple Macs over the world. Why? He sat there and he worked out his own system. He had faith in it. He believed in it. And out of a garage sprung a multi-million dollar business. Why? He had faith. There was a man who decided there was a way of logging things, doing things. He, as a young man, he worked in a library. He was diligent. He had a mind that liked to organize things. And now we have Microsoft. It so happens he had faith in it. No one else did. And success is born of a man who believes in what he, he has. And he can birth something into being in the world. Uh, there's a lot of hope people out there who hope. But there's not many faith people. And in anything in life, if you want success, you've got to have faith. Got to be more than just believing and hoping. I meet a lot of people in life who are failures, but they have great hopes. You see, if your believing doesn't lead to action that brings reality and substance, then it's just a hope. And that's why people end up as failures. They're hoping something will turn up. It's called Mr. Micawber idea, you know. Well, something will turn up. Well, nothing's going to turn up. Your little 
golden thing at the end of the rainbow isn't going to happen. You're living in deception. And usually you're a crook when you believe a crock of gold's at the end of the rainbow. That doesn't work. What does work is when you take hold of your life, you have a faith that says, I believe this, and then you put your life into it. You won't succeed if your heart and your life is not in it. You'll fail. You'll be a hoper that ends up hopeless. There has to be a determination and a realization and your heart has to be in it. Most people are hoping to be what they're not. And that is the trouble with life. They get a vision of something, they get an idea of something and they hope for it but their talents and abilities aren't in that area really at all. And I'm amazed by how many people live thinking they should be something that they're not and they never arrive there because basically they're hoping and they haven't come to the reality of a believing in what you have and your capabilities are and setting your goals and then living them. That's faith. And Christians need to know. If God doesn't equip you and God doesn't birth you and God doesn't call you, you aren't going to make it because, you see, faith cometh by hearing the word of God. And it's amazing how people, when they hear that word and they believe and then act on it, faith's born and success comes and there are other people that hear the word but they don't act on it or don't act on it with their whole heart. If you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Once you're here, you've got to keep your eye fixed and go. And then you'll fulfill God's purpose in your life. I see a lot of people, they're going, but the trouble is, their heart's hankering after something else. That's how the devil operates. He gets your mind you go this way and he say ah yeah but really you should do that and you're thinking of that and trying to work out how you can get to that place forgetting that God put you on this road got to live with a single eye that's the way to live if you don't do that failure is waiting for you double minded man is what unstable in all his ways and a lot of people, they're so double-minded, they've got four ideas at once. And if you've got four ideas at once, I'll tell you what will happen. None of them will succeed. Not one. There are crooks. You know what crooks are? Crooks are very often intelligent people who use their intelligence to con other people. And you know, they're smart enough that if they set their mind to go right, they could succeed. But there's something in their personality that causes them always to live in the twilight zone. Uh, uh, and they might make money, but they're crooks. A crook's a crook. Just the way it is.
can't explain why people are like that, can you? Matthew 19. I guess they find the third way. Matthew 19, verse 26, whatever that is. Matthew 19. You remember uh, Jesus says um, in verse 23, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You know, with God, if you believe that everything was created by the Word of God and you understand that it's the Word of God that holds everything together and the whole world's upheld by the power of His Word and you know that with God anything's possible with man impossible, with God all things are possible and then you start acting on the words of God which make the impossible possible you begin to live by faith 1 John 4, in the first epistle of John. Chapter 4, says this in uh, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's easy, isn't it? There are people that hear and there are people that don't. And you know who's who by those that actually hear and do and those that reject or argue or have their own opinions. It's as simple as that.
John puts it quite we're of God he that knoweth God heareth us he that is not of God heareth not us hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error as simple as that people are one or the other boom that's what I love about scripture it doesn't leave any gray areas it's either you're in or you're out it's not your opinion that counts the word of God's clear bang uh, and that's it sorts out the wheat from the chaff it sorts out light from dark sorts out true from false done the wonderful thing about it is if God be in you and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world your capacity for success is unlimited if you allow God to have his sovereign rule in your life and you go according to God's will there is nothing that can stand before you there's nothing can stop you there's nothing can thwart you because you have the power of God within and your faith is a faith that will overcome everything if so be it's based on obedience to the word of God it's not that you take hold of it and say well you know God lives in me now I can do what I want oh no 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 that's million miles from truth it's the fact that you know the will of God you accept what God says to you and you obey God's command if you do that the capacity you have is limitless because you have God within the power you have is overcoming it's not part of the world we're not after what the world wants I, I don't want what the world wants there's nothing in the world I want <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about I'm not after riches riches aren't worth anything a fool runs after money but a love of money is the root of all evil people love money they think that out of that is the issues of life I tell you it's not you get all the money you have in the world but nothing's gonna give you life life comes from Christ and the Word of God is the source of all life and I see so many people who get caught up and they think money is somehow going to be the answer money's never the answer if you want to know what's wrong it's not money in your life your problem isn't lack of money your problem is lack of heart success comes out of total commitment to the word and to life and when you have that you will succeed no matter what you're doing the mistake is people are grabbing but they have no heart no vocation no calling little wonder the Bible says many are called few are chosen who are the chosen ones the people that take hold of a vocation their life and commitment is to Christ 
to the work of God, to the life of God, and they're not after grasping for things, they're after laying down their life. If you don't lay down your life, you'll lose it. And the trouble is with so many people today, all they want to do is take it. Wrong principle. God puts a choice in your life. What are you living for? And faith demands a total obedience to what God says. And that's where the spirit of truth and the spirit of error become manifest. Man does not want to be ruled over. He rebelled against God in the garden. He rebelled against the word of God. And I want to tell you, man doesn't want to be ruled today any more than he did 2,000 years ago or at the beginning of creation. Who is this man? The Jews said. We don't want someone to rule over us. Man was in rebellion. Man's heart's in rebellion. And that's why failure comes. Man says, no, I'll do my thing. Well, do your thing, but know this, you're going to fail. You might succeed in the world's eyes, but failure's waiting around the corner because you're going to meet the living God and you'll find out. The only person you deceive is yourself. Is that plain? Hello. What if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What can a man give for his soul? Amazing the motives that drive people. They become the enemies of God because their motive gets wrong, because the enemy deceives them. And then they believe that right is wrong and wrong is right. Strange. We need to understand faith. If you believe the capacity if you obey is limitless but it takes vocation I need to know what God's called me to do and if I set my heart on it there's nothing you cannot do many of us went over to Oral Roberts University to look um, at, at the graduation um, the choir came to sing and cheer for me quite right uh, and if you didn't get see the video that's going out, we're on TBN on a Tuesday morning at 7.30 in the UK and across Europe and Africa at 8.30. Um, TBN, have a look at it, Tuesday morning. And if you can't, you haven't got Sky Television, you can buy the video. Just order it in the bookshop. Um, what we're here to do is proclaim 
the truths of God. I want to get out there and say there's something different from what's out there. I don't believe it's, it's right that people go in for gimmicks. I believe that we need to get back to the Word of God. When Jesus came, turn to Matthew 8. Matthew 8. I thank God that through all the stupidities of man, God still gets his own way and blesses people. But it's not because of the stupidities, it's in spite of them. In Matthew 8, let's quickly look. You remember in Matthew 8, and um, it says this in verse 5, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. What was Jesus asked to do? Speak the word only. In other words, this centurion who was commended, he had a problem the centurion he wasn't like Zacchaeus I've done the comparison between him and Zacchaeus before and you can get hold of the tape of that um, the, he had faith now this centurion had faith he understood authority and he understood all Jesus needed to do was speak the word do you know that's the problem in Christendom today they want an experience they want a revelation they want a vision they don't understand that when God speaks it's sufficient they feel they better have some extraterrestrial experience God deliver us I, I, I meet people who think they've got an angel around them you know kind of in charge well I tell you this I'd rather have the Lord Moses when God said, I'll send my angel before you, he said, no, if you don't go, I'm not going. End of story. I don't need an angel, I need you. Do I believe in angels? Of course I believe in angels. But I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one saviour. Hey, I believe in the Lord God Almighty. Angels are just servants. You know? walk into a house and if a butler opens the door and you're visiting the king and it's a butler who opens the door his name is Jeeves or something uh, you ignore him I mean he's not the person you're really coming to see is he Mark 2 Mark 2 was the word not an angel Mark 2 Verse 3, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. And verse 11, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. What did Jesus do with him? What did he do? 
He spoke the word. He said, I say unto thee, arise. You see, when God speaks, the word's sufficient. Do you notice, he didn't do anything else, he told him what to do. Peter goes into the, to the temple and at the gate, beautiful, in the temple, there's a, a man who's been crippled from his birth. Peter talks, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll give you. Get up. And what happens? He gets up. Why? It was the word. What an experience. Immediately, he, his strength came into his legs and his ankles. And he began to leap and praise God. You see, miracles happen according to the word. They don't happen according to experience. When a person realizes that God's speaking and speaks into them, that's it. People are waiting for a feeling. People are waiting, and that's not what's necessary. You see, creation came through the word. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be land, and the land rose out of the sea. God said, let there be planets in the, in the sky, and what happened? The stars were there. God said, let's divide night and day, and it was done. And when God speaks a word, the miracle has happened. When you do what God says, faith's born. You can believe what God says without doing it. And nothing happens. It's a choice. I found the greatest miracles happen when people will do as they're told. When you tell them, if they'll run when you say run, they'll get a miracle. If they stand still and say they can't, they don't. When Jesus saw a man who had a withered hand, he said, stretch forth your hand. The man didn't say, I can't. He did it. Why? God spoke it. It's by the foolishness of preaching men are saved. It's not by some uh, mystical thing. It's the preaching of the word that brings salvation. Miracles happen by word power. The world's upheld by word power. Everything is word power. Now Moses didn't understand that. He got a bit lost at one point. It's amazing how word power does. Jesus was in a storm. They wake him up and he stands up. What does he do to the storm? He doesn't blow back at the wind. He says, peace, be still. That's it. And there was a great calm. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they had a problem with Jesus. They said, this man speaks with authority. The authority was that the word power was the thing that accomplished everything. A lot of people talk themselves into failure, talk themselves into unbelief, talk themselves into disease, talk themselves into sin, talk themselves into bondage, talk themselves in, because they never do anything in life, they have no word power. It's all negative. There are skeptics. A skeptic is a man who has no faith. 
except in his scepticism and his puny brain. A believer is a man who has total trust in the God who speaks. Turn with me to Acts. Acts 20. spoke for a long time so long that a young man fell asleep and fell down out the window boom so Paul went down and fell on him embracing him and said trouble not yourself why for his life is in him and then what did he do when he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while even till break of day so he departed and they brought the young man alive. How'd they bring the young man alive? Paul said, don't trouble yourself, his life's in him. And then he just got on with what he was doing. He didn't wait for some sign, he just... But they weren't, they were a little comforted when they found out the guy was okay. Now they believed he was dead. Paul said he's alive. See, the word was what Paul believed. He said his life's in him. It's not going anywhere. And so he just got on. And at the end of this, he spoke for the rest of the night, you know. He, he'd spoken for so long that poor guy fell asleep and fell off the window. Then, you know, they, 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 they thought he was dead. Paul went down there and he said his life is in him. Now he didn't wait to see the results. He just went, broke bread, had a meal, left in the morning. And they all found the guy was alive and well. Too many people, they, they, they want to check up on it. You, know, you, you pray. That's why I love it that we get all sorts of testimonies of miracles. People come and they find they're totally healed. Why? A word was spoken to them. Well, my word, it was God's word spoken to them. That's it. Miracle happens. You don't have to wait for it. It's, it's inevitable. When God speaks, that's it. See, I'm a great believer in God and his word. Doesn't matter what you see, it matters what God says. What God says, that's it. And if God doesn't say it, nothing's going to happen. Simple as that. Is that clear? Hello? Yes. Sure. Are you sure? Yes. Clear. There's a lot of people that they, they, they live in the twilight world of skepticism. Oh, yeah. If I don't see, I'm not going to believe. It's wrong. You know, there was, there was Moses, he got it wrong a bit. Let, let's, go to, let's go to Numbers. Numbers 20. Numbers 20. 
you know. And there were no water, verse 2, for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Isn't it amazing? If, if something seems to be going wrong, they always, a church will blame the leadership. And if it's going right, the church is doing well. You know, they'll take the credit for when it's going well, and they'll blame the leadership if it goes wrong. So the leaders had it either way. That's what I like. Anyway, there's Moses. Bless him. Water's short. It bound to be short. It was a desert for goodness sake. Well, I expect. But it was Moses' fault it was a desert. Uh, and they rose up against, and the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? Why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. Oh, boy. They forgot that there were Egyptians where they'd just come from who were persecuting them. They, you know, there are people who forget when the devil gave them such a rough life. God lifts them up, delivers them from a lot, and then they start complaining when things aren't going perfectly for them. And usually it's their own fault out of disobedience. They got themselves back into a mess through their disobedience and rebellion. I watched them do it. And then they'll complain and try and justify themselves. But the thing you have to understand is, hey, you know, God is God. And his word is his word. And you can't do things outside of it. And my faith is in him. Not, not what I can do. I can do nothing. Of myself, I can do nothing. I don't even want to try. I never sought to be a minister. God alone knows. I never trained to be a minister. I never thought to be a minister. In fact, I told God I was totally unsuitable to be a pastor. There's truth and there's lies. And I somehow can't bring myself to compromise and pretend. What I want to do is get hold of each one of you and challenge you and challenge you and challenge you. If by God's grace you turn. I often wonder what Jesus thought. I said it recently. What did Jesus think as he watched the multitudes walk away? A Christ man is someone who has the life of God within. Who's totally submitted to the will of God. Opens his heart and life to him. 
knows the obedience and faith that comes from a living relationship with a living God. And that's wonderful. But few I find that have that. Thank God for those that do. They stick closer than a brother. But here's poor old Moses and Aaron. Look, they, they've got three and a half million people and not one of them has got a good word to say for Moses or Aaron. They're on their own. And that's how a pastor's job is. Might as well face it, you're on your own. And so... The Lord spake to Moses, verse 7, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak you unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, you rebels. I can understand Moses' feeling. <laughs> Hear now, you rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? I mean, he was mad as a dingbat. He was so furious. There was something in Moses. You blithering people. You wretches. And he picks up the rock. And he says, must we do it? And bang, bang, he strikes the rock. Out of sheer anger. And Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod he smote the rock twice and the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank in their beasts. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because you believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. You know, what was wrong? Lots of people say, why did God get angry at Moses? I'll tell you why. Because God said to Moses, speak to the rock. Do you know, it's not in ritualism and it's not in gimmicks that miracles happen. It's when the word's spoken. And the other thing that Moses did, which was very unwise, he said, must, must we, that's Aaron and Moses, bring water out the rock? And then he smote the rock. So the people connected the water that was coming forth with Moses. They didn't connect it with the Lord of glory. And if they had spoken the word before the congregation, the people would have understood it was the Lord. And therefore the Lord said, you didn't sanctify me before the people. Moses' temper got the better of him. You see, you've got to acknowledge who does the miracle. Hey, it's God. I can't heal anyone. I can't deliver anyone. I can't change anyone. It's God who does it. No good getting mad at a blind man because he's blind. Mm. 
They didn't understand. And Moses forgot who it was. And he said it was him. And so he took the rod and smote it. Won him. That's why God said you're not going in. And you'll find over in 2 Kings. Another example. 2 Kings. Chapter 5. Two Kings five. You remember Naaman uh, had a, a, a slave, a maid for his wife. And he hears of it, and then he goes to the king of Syria. And verse 5, and the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold, ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter that he rent his clothes and he said am I God to kill and to make hey the king got real upset he said what have you put me into what are you trying to do uh, and verse 8 and it was so when Elisha the man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes that he sent to the king saying wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes let him come down to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel so Naaman came with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha and Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying go and wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean but Naaman was wroth and he went away and said behold I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper in other words he thought there's going to be some dramatic beating you know, he's going to call him and say, hey, come in now. And, and he'd stand him up and then he'd call on his mighty God and he'd smite him on the chest, right on the place where the leprosy was. That's what he thought he'd do. And all Elisha did, he said to his servant, go tell him. Go down to Jordan, dip seven times. Your flesh is going to come back. You see, he spoke the word. Now the heathen wants a demonstration. The superstitious want a demonstration. The Christian only needs the word and obey it. Miracles come out of obedience to the word. That's all. God spoke the word. Elisha's sitting in there. He doesn't even bother to come and see him. Just sends instruction. If you'll do this, you'll be fine it's amazing and do you know it's the hardest thing for people to do to actually do as they're told 
that just if you told them to climb a mountain and you've got a large baseball bat and you cracked them on the knee they'd believe for a miracle why? because you've got a baseball bat and cracked them on the knee but the thing is when it comes to a simple word people don't, don't want to do it I've seen people have tremendous miracles because they've just done as they're told. And I've seen other people, they're waiting for some great thing to happen. They're waiting for some great feeling and they just won't accept the word. And, and the trouble is they come out but they're waiting for something. They just don't believe that what's really the power, it's the word. They're waiting for some dynamite from heaven but Elijah was just sitting having his breakfast and he sends his servant out and says tell him and he got back to munching his cornflakes and left the guy out there and the guy he was so mad and the servant girl has to say to Naaman if he'd asked you to do some great thing you'd have done it wouldn't you oh yeah but he told you to do something that's simple and you won't do it how about trying it? And he went and he tried to do what God said. Huh? Simple. But you see, the word of God obeyed brings faith. But when you try and work up something or you're looking for something, you move out of the realm of faith into the world of mysticism, into the world of the fanatic, into the world of superstition rather than the word of God God can do anything but what he chooses to do is speak his word and his word does it my bible says he sent forth his word and healed them didn't send forth his power it was his word my bible says that the world was created when he spoke my Bible says all things are upheld by the power of his word. My Bible says so much about the word. Jesus came, he spoke the word. The centurion said, speak the word only. I understand that's all it takes. That's why Jesus commended him. He had a revelation that there was authority in the word. If the word came, that's it. How many of you have sat in this meeting or sat in other meetings and God has spoken a word to you and then you've waited to see the results instead of acting on the word and believing the word, you've sought something else. You've sought a confirmation or you've sought this or you've sought that. And in the end... The word becomes fruitless in your life because you just don't understand the principles of God. What God says, if you'll do it, the miracle's yours. Trouble is, people won't do it. I was over with Benson Ederhoser. We were in a um, Fiji. We flew there. I remember it well because we had to get up at three o'clock in the morning in Australia we were in parks in Australia a place where only kangaroos go 
Anyway, I went to Parks, and we had to fly from Parks over to Sydney. Uh, and we got up at the crack of dawn, and we flew all over to Sydney. Then we got a plane to fly to Fiji. And I remember we got there at quarter to eight at night. We got into the stadium, and we hadn't eaten. And so they had a meal prepared, so we, we ate the meal, and then we went out into the stadium... I was there with Benson. We were out there to minister. Anyway, there we were. And Benson preached and came for time. And they were hoping we'd pray for them, you know, and lay hands on them. Uh, and there was people in wheelchairs. And he said to them, get up. Go home. It's late. Go home. And they just looked at him. And he said, God will heal you as you go as he healed the lepers. Go! Go! And they looked at him. And then, a woman in a wheelchair decided, well, if he says, get up and go, I'll get up and go. So she got up and went. Completely healed. And the others were still sitting there. And for five minutes, he was shouting, get up, go. Go, just go. God will hit. No, they wanted prayer. And he said, The word of the Lord is go. And finally, the crowds began to go and the miracles began to happen. We left. We left some of them, but you know, some of them were still sitting there mystified. You know? We haven't had, you know, we haven't had hands laid on us. We haven't had, um, you know, I thought you were going to do this. I thought, no, the word of God said go. And we heard of beautiful miracles that happened to people who would actually do what God said. But for the rest of them, it wasn't the way they wanted it. And I'll tell you, for Naaman, it wasn't the way. Send me to the Euphrates. Send me to somewhere nice. Don't send me to Jordan. You see, do something. Let's have something spectacular. I, I want to feel. And God says, go. Go. Simple as that. You know the trouble with people today? They want the spectacular. They've had too long with, you know, the media that wants the spectacular, that they think, and, and churches going for the spectacular, they want something dramatic rather than something normal. I was watching a film the other day, a recording, someone getting healed, Clive, and I said to him, walk, come on, walk. And the hardest thing to do was just to get him to walk. Why wouldn't he walk? Once I got him walking, he was healed. Now, why was he healed walking? I don't know. Just knew if he'd walk, he'd be healed. Some people tell them to run and they run and, and they get healed. Other people, you tell them to lift their legs up and if they'll do that, they'll get a miracle. But the last thing you can get some people to do is actually do as they're told. They've learned in life that they'll do what they want to do and nothing else and they'll never obey God. 
Their reason will tell them and their scepticism will keep them in their bondage. But the word's true. Jesus Christ took all your sins, all my sins, onto his body on the tree. He took all your diseases, all my diseases. Took all our sicknesses. He sent forth his word and he healed them. Say, well, come, lay hands on me, do something. I remember a woman coming to the church years ago. Crippled with arthritis, totally crippled. Sat about three rows back, someone bought her. She was furious at the end of the meeting. I didn't pray for anyone. She wanted me to lay hands on her and pray for her. I didn't. In the car on the way home, she used colourful language to describe me. She woke up at two o'clock in the morning and found she was completely healed. Came back next day to apologise for all the things she called me. See, miracles happen because of the word of God. Don't happen because of a preacher. They happen when a preacher preaches the truth. He sent forth his word and healed them. Simple as that. You want something dramatic? Nothing more dramatic than the word. Look what happened when God said, let there be light. And ever since then, there's been light in the world. Look what happened when God created the animals. Spoke everything into being. Just spoke it. And he wants you to be a believer in the word, but a believer who acts on it. Stand up. I don't know why you come. Different people come for different reasons. But one thing I want you to know. This morning you can have a miracle. Simple as that. But not according to some drama. But according to his word. He sent forth his word and healed them. Jesus spoke. Centurion said. Lord. My servant's grievously ill. Jesus said, I'll come. And he said, no, no, no. Just speak the word only. That's sufficient. And that's the truth. He understood it. He understood the word. And that's what you have to do. You have to understand that it's the word that heals. Always the word. Nothing else. Just lift our hands to heaven. Father, I thank you that it is your word that heals. I thank you, Lord, that you know the needs of each one here. And in your authority, I curse every bondage, every disease, every sickness, every deformity. Lord, I come in the power of your word and declare life. I speak to that which is wrong. Live!
I speak to that which is deformed, be whole. I speak to that which afflicts, you're finished. Get off. I break every yoke, every band that binds. Lord, in your authority, I declare life and life more abundant. From this day, let the wellsprings of health spring forth. Lord Jesus, you're the mighty King. You're the Savior and Healer. You are the Divine Physician. You're the one who does it. And we want to sanctify thee and give thee the glory and honor. Master, reach inside. You're the God of the impossible. We believe it. From this day, let everything change. Lord, meet every need, I pray. In Jesus' precious name. Be healed. Be free. Be whole. Be delivered. Be what God wants you to be. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I know it always accomplishes what you sent it to do. It cannot fail. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the only thing God wants you to do now is obey. That's all. Whatever he says to you, do it. That's simple, isn't it? Hmm? Not complicated. You don't need my hand on you. You just need the word within. You'll find God's done something in your life if you will accept what he says. You'll find you'll never be the same again. You'll find liberty came through the word. God bless you. Go with God. God willing, see you Tuesday.